0: This is God's word. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God and is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me hear you guys say amen. Amen. Say it with me. Together for good. Together for good. For good. This is the title of our series on the entire book of Romans, and today we finally get to that one verse, Romans eight twenty eight, where it says these words, together for good. And so today we get to open that up a little bit and look and see what God has for us in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for your mercy as we have sung about so gloriously today. Lord, thank you. For all of your kindness to us. And Lord, we pray that it would be transformative into our hearts. And not only that, into our lives. That we would be changed today because of the work you are doing in us and through us. God, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Lord, would you unstop the clogged ears that are so distracted by all the things in this world. All the things on our schedule, all the things on our minds, all the things on the internet, everything, Lord, would you just set it aside right now and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us through your word. Lord, speak. Your people are listening. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Do you ever find yourself looking up at the sky and screaming, wake up, Lord! Why are you sleeping? Get up! Why do you reject us forever? Why do you hide? Why do you forget about our affliction and our, and our opposition and our oppression? God, we have sunk down to the dust. Our bodies are, 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 are clinging to the ground. Get up, God! Rise up! Help! Redeem us! Because of your faithful love, help us! Those are the words of Psalm 44. The sons of Korah looking up at the sky and screaming out to God, Wake up, Lord! God wants us to be honest with Him about the struggles in this life. This is a a, a song that was written for times of difficulty and times of hardship when God's people, together, could cry out to God. Not just one person standing in a field screaming to God, but all of us screaming to God, Help! Wake up! Why are you sleeping? Now that may strike you as odd. But this is exactly the the way that God wants us to speak to him and to cry out to him. God doesn't want you to pretend that everything's okay. God doesn't want you to put on a pious religious mask to come to church. God doesn't want you to fake it until you make it. Okay? And right here in Psalm 44, we have an example of... the, the. of, of God's people crying out to Him in desperation, looking to the sky and screaming for help. Life is hard. And God wants us to tell Him about it. In our scripture today, God tells us that everything in life, all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it is being weaved together for good. And that is why we can cry out to God. That is why we can lift up our voices and scream to Him. Why are you sleeping? (laughs) How can that be an expression of faith? It is. Because looking to God, crying upon Him, calling out to Him is an expression of faith. And to believe that God is actually working everything in life, all the junk, He's working it together for good is an incredible claim. I mean, it's an incredible claim. Everything down to the tiniest detail of your life, all of it has a purpose. All of it. God is at work in the nitty-gritty, as we used to say, for good. But to accept this claim, to actually believe it, takes faith. In our scripture today, God is going to give us three reasons to believe. Three reasons to believe. Why should we trust God? Well, He's going to give us a few reasons, okay? And, and, and here they are. I'm going to give you all three of them, and then we're going to walk through it. The first one is this He is intentional. That's the first one. The second one, He's generous. And the third one is He's committed. Number one, He's intentional. Number two, he's generous. And number three, he's committed. Let's get into the text. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All things work together for good. Notice notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things are good. Right? It doesn't say all things become good. See, the things themselves are not all good. (laughs) Some are bad, some are evil, some are downright horrendous. But what God is saying is that He takes all the things and He works them for good. He, He weaves them together for good. Do you remember Joseph, the story of Joseph, we, we just finished a sermon series on this um, when earlier uh, last year. Remember Joseph, remember he was envied, he was betrayed, he was sold into slavery, he was falsely accused, he was arrested, imprisoned, forgotten, left for dead. None of these things were good, <laughs> but God worked All things together for good. In Joseph's life, if you remember, Joseph ended up being in the right place at the right time to bring salvation to his own family who abandoned him and left him. And not only that, but to bring rescue and salvation to the entire known world at the time. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this, Joseph speaking to his brothers, and he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, right? Bad things. You meant evil against me, not things that are going to turn good. No, the things are bad. The things are evil. They are. Nothing changes that. What was done was done, and it was wicked. Okay? That's important for us to remember. What was done is done, and it's wicked. But look what Joseph says to his brothers. He said, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people would be kept alive as they are today. See, Joseph could see through faith that God was working everything together for good. Do you guys like to watch behind the scenes movies, uh, like the DVD? And in today's world, I don't know how you even do it because you know if you watch something on Netflix or Amazon Prime, there's no way to see the behind the scenes. If, it, if somebody knows how to do that, please let me know because I, I love, I used to love watching the DVD and, and going to the special features and looking at the behind the scenes because it's, it's incredible to listen to the filmmakers talk about their film and they'll walk you through different scenes and they'll say, All right, watch this. Watch what was actually happening here. Look at these little details. Look at what was happening in the behind the scenes. You get to see the intention of the filmmakers, all the little details, you get to see the way that the story kind of fits together. And when you watch the movie, you don't even really notice those things necessarily. But if you go back and watch it again, after having seen behind the scenes, the movie takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? You get to really see all the things that you didn't see before, and your mind is blown even more than it was before. The best filmmakers are intentional. Right, they put things in the movie, they put things in the film intentionally to progress the story, to make the story good. God is intentional too. Verses 29 and 30 are kind of like the behind the scenes of our salvation, they're kind of like the behind the scenes of our salvation. Let's look at it again. Uh, it says, I'm just going to paraphrase part of this. It says, Those God foreknew, He predestined. Those He predestined, He called. Those whom He called, He justified. Those whom He justified, He glorified. Now, let's pr- those are all words that we need to talk about, okay? So let's go back and look at all of these words. The first one that He says is that you were foreknown, that He foreknew you. Now, Knowledge in the scripture is not just about information. Write this down. Knowledge is not just about information. Knowledge is about intimacy. It's not just about information. It's about intimacy. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, he, he knew her in the biblical sense? You heard that? That's referring to uh, sexuality. Sexuality. To know in the biblical sense. And that's because that word know carries that meaning of intimacy. Not just sexually, but in every other way. Knowledge. And so when the scripture says that God foreknew, it's saying that he loved you beforehand. Before you came to him, before you responded to his call, he already loved you. He already put His love on you. He foreknew you. He loved you ahead of time. God set His affection on you. The Scripture tells us even before the creation of the world. Even before the creation of the world, God knew you. God set His affection on you. The second part here, it says that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, predestined, that word uh, is confusing and it gets us into lots of arguments with our friends. But here's what that word means. Pre, beforehand. Destined, destination. God set a destination for your life in advance. When you go on a road trip, what do you do? Hopefully, you set the destination, right? You know kind of where you're going to end up. Well, that's what God does. God sets a destination. He predestines it. It means that He intentionally arranges the the route. All the things in your life are going to work together for good because He has already preplanned a destination for our lives. And what is that destination? It says right here in verse 29 that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's our destination. That's God's vision statement. That He has predestined each of His children to be conformed to the image of His Son. Notice it doesn't say to have an easy life. Notice it doesn't say to have everything work out just the way we want it to. No, to be conformed. Think about a potter with clay and how they mold and shape the clay being formed, conformed to the image of His Son. That is God's vision for you. That is God's vision for me. That is what predestination means. It means that he has set a destination for you in advance. And that destination is the very image of his own son, Jesus. Verse 30 says, those whom he predestined, he also called. He called you. God knows your name. God speaks your name. He calls you. And when God calls you, you hear. When God calls you, you listen. And when God calls you, you respond in faith. You can't help but respond to God's call. This is not the general call that everyone can hear. This is the call that goes specially to you. When God calls your name, And you respond. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you must be born again. Remember? To Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. That's what this call does, is it transforms you on the inside. It makes you willing and able to respond to that call, to pick up that phone and say, yes, Lord. I believe. I don't even know why I believe, but I believe. Sometimes that's the way the call comes to us, right? It defies sense. He says, those whom he called, he also justified. Say justified. Say justified, never sinned. Say justified, always lived right. That's what justification means. That's what it means to be justified. Justified, never sinned. Justified, always lived right. God, to the one who is called, he is also justified. This means God has changed your status. It means that you are no longer guilty of sin and rebellion, but that you are now righteous. Because of the work of Christ in his life, in his death, and his resurrection, all who believe in him now are justified. You are forgiven. You are a new man. You are a new woman. You are a new boy. You are a new girl. For all who believe in him, you are justified. And then he takes it a step further and he says, And those whom he justified, he also what? Right, he also glorified. Now this means that God has secured an eternal reward, a room in his heavenly house, and that you will be made like Christ. Remember we talked about this last week about our bodies That our bodies will be transformed. Maybe this was two weeks ago. And that Jesus is the the first fruits of many brothers. And that we, in that day, will get a new resurrection body. And a new forever home with God in the new creation. That's what it means to be glorified. So, So, this is the good that God is working together for you. This is the good that God is working together for you, your salvation. Notice the tense of these words. What tense? Is it? Is it present, future, past? What is it? It's past, right? Isn't that interesting? You see, when God looks at salvation, when He looks at this, uh, what sometimes is called the golden chain of salvation, what He sees is everything is done. What He sees is everything is already certain. And that's why it's written in the past tense. Because it's already done. It's in the past from God's perspective. Now, and from our perspective, it's not all done yet. We are not glorified yet. But from God's perspective, it is certain. And so he puts it in the past tense God foreknew, God predestined, God called, God justified, God glorified already. He's intentional. And because he's intentional, you can trust him. He's also generous. Let's look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. Because God is generous to us. See what he says? He said, God is for us. He's generous to us. And because God is supreme, no one can stand against His will. No one can be against us because God is for you. God has been generous to you. And so no one can stand against His will. In the middle of the hard things, we need to remember that God is for us. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the disappointment, we need to remember that God is for us and that God is generous to us. That things are bad, but that God is doing something good behind the scenes. That God is actually, yes, working all things together for good. I've shared this story with some of you before, but I couldn't help but think of this moment in my life when I was in 8th grade. I shared this on Wednesday night uh, with House Church. I remember when my mom was having her second pituitary-slash-brain surgery. And the doctors had told us that if she ever had this disease again, that the chances of her surviving was not good. The first time, she survived it, but then a few years later, she had it again, came back, and she had to have this second surgery. And I remember as an eighth grader, being afraid that my mom was going to die. And I remember running into my room, falling on my bed, tears running down my, running down my face. And I remember saying to God, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then I remember... Saying, "You can have her. If you if you need her, you can have her. Please don't take her, man." I remember crying that prayer. That prayer of desperation and and of faith of a young man having this faith in God that. I didn't understand why it was happening. I didn't want to lose my mom. And I cried out, You can have her. Sometimes that's what faith looks like. Trusting that God is working all things together for good, even when none of it makes any sense at all. And yes, my mom survived the surgery. Thank you, God. Sometimes our parents don't survive the surgery. Sometimes the things go like they did for Joseph in your life and in my life. And it's probably in those times where those prayers of faith become more visceral. When we say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it but I trust that you're working all things for good. I don't even see it, but I'm trusting you right now. And God will prove that over and over again He is generous. Look at verse 32. He says, look at this. He says, He who did not spare His own Son, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things that we need, all things that are good, that are turning to good. Why can you trust Him? Because God spares no expense. Why can you trust Him? Because He went all out. He didn't just pay the minimum, but He paid the full price. That's what Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. And those words mean it's paid in full. The debt is completely paid God spared no expense he's generous and so when people accuse you when the devil accuses you God says who can bring any charge against God's people that's what elect means God's people God's chosen people who can bring a charge no one no one Because the gift of God, His generosity, is not conditional. It's not conditional on you. It's not, if you deserve it, then I'll give it to you. No, God is generous with His grace. He is almost wasteful. If God can be wasteful, God is almost wasteful with His generosity toward us. You know, the religious people of Jesus' day didn't like him very much. Uh, the blue check preachers of Jesus' day didn't understand him. They, they couldn't understand why people were following him. They didn't, they didn't understand why he was a friend of losers, <laughs> uh, tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes. I mean, what are they doing for you, Jesus? We don't get it. How does this help your cause? The reason they didn't get it was because they didn't understand God's generosity, they didn't understand that His love is about giving, it's about grace. It all comes from Him. Look what it says here. It is God who justifies. See, that's the direction. The direction of God's grace is from Him to us. We are the receivers. That's what faith is it's receiving. God's the one who's giving. And so if you love God today, it is not because of your decision, it is not because of your strength, your status. It is all about God's generosity. If you love Him today, it is because of God's Spirit at work within you. And Jesus Himself now is interceding for us. He's at the right hand of God, interceding. See, He's he's intentional. And He's generous. So you can trust that God is at work making all things together, working all things together for good. Last, he's committed. Verses 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Another rhetorical question, and the answer is nobody. No one. The love of Christ is so powerful. Listen. The love of Christ is so certain. The love of Christ is so massive, so confident, so committed that nothing can separate us from it. Nothing. There's no other love like it. A man brought a bouquet of flowers home to his wife for no reason at all and she gave him a hug and said, I love you. Young lady spent hours getting ready for her date with the young man, and he met her at the door, and she looked stunning. He said, wow, you look great. I love you. The teenager always worked hard on his schoolwork, and his dad knocked on his bedroom door. I saw your report card today. Principal's list again. Great job, son. I love you. What's the problem with these expressions of love? Maybe nothing. But they could all be conditional. Because what happens when the husband isn't romantic? What happens when the beauty fades? What happens when the grades slip? The basis for love is gone. But God says, my love is different. It's not conditional. My love is such that nothing will separate you from it. Why? Because he's he's committed. I like how Eugene Peterson puts verse 35 in the message. He says it this way. He says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because it's not based on our performance, our obedience, our ability, our pedigree, our works. It is based on God's loving decision to love unlovely people like us. And nothing can change God's mind. You can't, you can't mess up enough. You can't blow it enough to get out of God's committed love for you in Christ. In verse 36, Paul quotes Psalm 44, the psalm that we opened this service with, with the, the sermon with. Remember the psalm that says, wake up, Lord. He quotes it right here and he says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. The next words in that in that psalm are, wake up, Lord. Okay, and what is he doing? He's saying, look, life is so hard. It's the hardest of hard when you're being killed for no reason at all. And Paul is reminding us, church, that God's people have always had to face impossible situations. We have always had to face impossible situations and you can trust Him. You can call out to Him. You can trust Him. Paul concludes this section, chapter 8, by saying this. He says, for I am sure. (laughs) Oh, I am sure. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us. Who is the us in this? Who is the us? It's a critical question. Verse 28, the first verse in this section says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. There's one very important qualification to all of this. And that is this, are you His? Are you His? Are you His? For those who love God, you must be one of his adopted children who have put your life in his hands who have relinquished control and said okay i trust you god we all have to get to that point where we've let go of everything else that we that we've trusted in and we release it to god that's what faith is all about it's trusting in jesus alone for life and for salvation. And if you have done that, if you have trusted him, no matter how old you are or young you are, if you've trusted him, then this us is you. One story to end. We used to go out in teams around Orangeburg in my uh, church that I grew up in here. And uh, it was called, we did this program Uh, where it was called, it was called Evangelism Explosion, which is great. Evangelism Explosion is like something's going to explode. I don't know what was, what was up with that, but they don't call it that anymore. They just call it EE. But anyway, so our church used to send out teams into Orangeburg, and we would meet people and talk with them about their faith. We would ask questions to get people talking, you know, tell me about your life, tell me about your family, that kind of thing. And then at some point, we would ask a harder question. And this is that one of those harder questions was this. We would say, do you know for sure that if you died today, you would be with God in heaven? Do you know for sure that if you died today, you would be with God in heaven? And most people would say, no, I don't know for sure. Or they would say, I hope so. <laughs> or they would say, I guess it depends on the day. Like, I have good days and I have bad days. What does the Apostle Paul say? Verse 38. He says, for I am sure. And I have good news for you today. You can be sure too. You can be sure because it doesn't depend on whether you had a good day or a bad day. It doesn't depend on how you're feeling about God right now. It doesn't depend on did you do that thing that you know you shouldn't have done last night. It doesn't depend on that. What does it depend on? It depends on the work of Christ alone. It depends on his grace alone. If it depends on my obedience, I'm going to disobey. If it depends on my choice, I'm going to change my mind. If it depends on my faithfulness, I will stumble and fall. If it depends on my loveliness, I will never be worthy. But we can be sure, church, we can be sure that Christ's love is fixed. Because what? It's already done. It's already done. It's past tense. God already foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Every detail of your life is being worked into this story, is being worked into something good, and you can trust Him because He is intentional. He is generous, and He is committed to you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your, your grace that, that is... Uh, that meets us in our mess, that meets us in our doubts, that meets us in those moments where we just want you to wake up and we cry out to you. God, thank you that you meet us in those moments, that you remind us of your faithfulness, that you spared no expense to demonstrate your love for us and your commitment to us, not just in this life, but in the world to come. And so God, please, please call people to you right now. Call people to you who are listening online, who are listening in this room. Lord, call people by your spirit. Call them by name. And Lord, give them faith to respond to you and believe that what you have said is true, that you are trustworthy, that you are faithful. Lord, give faith where there is none and reinforce faith where there's weakness in all of our hearts. God, we love you. We thank you that all things work together for good. For those who love you. For those who are called according to your purpose. Christ, go with us. Go before us. Him us in behind. Help us to trust you more and more. Jesus' name. Amen.